before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Patrick Paul, who's the CEO of the Anderson Center for Autism. Patrick, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. So I'd be really curious as to your starting point, really. How did you get started in the industry working with autism and shed a bit of backstory for us? Sure. Um, I, I kind of have a long story, but but we'll shorten it up for this program. Um, I, I, I'd done a lot of things uh, um, in my career. I was actually a New York State trooper for many years. I worked in banking, uh, investment banking also. Um, I worked for the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, and, uh, and I got hurt while I, was a, while I was a policeman and I retired out of the police. And, and I decided I wanted to be a, a certified public accountant, went back to school, got a, another degree in accounting. And uh, one of the first places that I that, that uh, for the firm that I that I connected with and was working for, they focused on um, on folks who have developmental disabilities and the companies that support those individuals. Uh, and and that was my first introduction uh, to, uh, to 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 autism. My first introduction to developmental disabilities. And as the years went th- went by, I continued to work for the CPA firm. But at some point, I decided that. Uh, that I wanted uh, to actually be home a little bit more, and uh, with my my young son who was just born, and uh, and I went out on my own, my own firm, and one of the clients that I ended up uh, um, continuing to work for was Anderson Anderson School at the time, and so I walked into Anderson School um, as uh, as a consultant, and uh, and I've never left. So I started out as a consultant, and then I started working as the, uh, the controller. I was corporate compliance officer. Um, I was chief financial officer. Then I went became the chief operating officer, and then about in 2016, I became the, the chief executive officer. Um, and so that's how I got started. So it seems like there's a lot that's been progressing over the years in terms of access, services, help, and support for people that that have this condition. And yet I still get the impression that there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot of things that the public, people like myself, can do to support. So has there been much progress since you started, do you think? And what do you think is is missing? Well, I'd like to say uh, that I wish I could say that everything has progressed forward and, and services are increasing and, uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're on a, a good trajectory. But, but I... I to, to be honest, I think that the pandemic really kind of reversed a lot of the progress that was made. Um, I think that that individuals who uh, who have autism really suffered uh, during that time. Uh, you know, uh, when people are home, uh, you, you know, one of the things uh, that that folks with autism, many of them, have have say social anxiety. Uh, they they feel uncomfortable in in certain situations. Um, and I think that that truly exacerbated that whole circumstance. And, and for anybody, whether you're typical or you have autism, I think that that uh, uh, that time really was uh, was tremendously um, uh, impactful. And for people with autism, I think it was more impactful than than, than others, especially for children. Uh, you know, um, one of the uh, areas that we work with here at Anderson and, and other folks work with when we work with individuals with autism. Is, is getting them out, getting them into the community, getting individuals into classrooms and working with them to help them be more social, to help them be more interactive, to help them to, uh, to live a, the, mo- the most normal life that they possibly can. And by having an abnormal period of time, you know, there was significant regression, significant regression. And, and I think even for typical children uh, and students, that 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 uh, that regression was 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 uh, was also significant. But for uh, children and adults with autism, that regression was was even more significant. So, I reckon there must be more to it than just socializing as well, because a lot of people talk about community driven things. A lot of people talk about getting people with autism into the communities. There's a lot 
else that goes on, isn't there, that's needed for people with this condition? Sure. I, I, what I think happens is that is that people will say, okay, this person has autism, and people assume that uh, you know all the attributes are the same, and and that this person is a, is a classic person with autism. And uh, I, I, you know, there there are folks who have a more severe, uh, complex needs, and there are folks who are um, to, to use a uh, that they're much more cognitively aware, and they're and, and they're more um, more toward the typical individual. Yet they may have some deficits, and the culmination of uh, of the spectrum uh, creates uh, uh, allows them to be classified. In fact, in, in inside the autism world, uh, there's a there's truly a um, there's a um, a significant divide with with individuals who believe that that folks who are more cognitively aware should be uh, classified in, uh, differently than those who have more complex needs, uh, because the needs are so vastly dif different. Now, Anderson uh, has uh, has a, an array. We serve an array of people, and uh, and so. And so we are one of those agencies uh, in, in, uh, in the United States that serves the most complex individuals. So, so you know, we get folks from all over the country, and we may be getting our first international students uh, in the next couple of years because because we've really specialized our services, um, and and those are for the most complex individuals. But we also provide services to those who are more cognitively aware, those who are, are able to be more independent, those who are, who would be closer to the more typical uh, individual. Uh, but but those are not our uh, what I call our, our our heavier services. Those are lighter services. And what I mean is that we we do consultation to school districts. Uh, we do autism supportive environment where we'll go and we'll work with a bank or we'll go work with a business. We work with towns and vill and towns and school districts. To, to help them be more inviting to individuals who are not as involved as the folks that we serve uh, and, and uh, that are more complex, but individuals who still need that support. Uh, because the whole idea behind whatever, whoever we're working with and whatever their needs are, is we, is we want them to optimize their quality of life. Um, and, and for some individuals who may be self-injurious, they may be aggressive, you know, we we are able because we have uh, this expertise. We're able to impact that in a positive way. Then there's other individuals who may not have that that that, that significant uh, need or for support, but also they are truly impacted also. And so so we're trying to make it that that those individuals who are more in the community that their community is more inviting, that their community uh, provides supports uh, and uh, for for them to help them to navigate. Because we all we're all responsible for each other, and uh, and and I think that that when people uh, become part of any of the programs that we have, when we talk about autism supportive environment, I think they start to understand that that, that there's it doesn't take a lot for a business to help support somebody, but by having it there, you're making that person actually want to come back more, you know, because because they know you understand what they need, right? And, and you know. I, I, to make it a more typical example, if, if I go to a restaurant and I know that the, that the person at the restaurant knows that, that, I, that I may have a gluten-free diet, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna say, and, and, and if they're ready to kind of deal with the gluten-free diet and, if, and they've taken out a little bit of time to do that, they're already going to know items that are on the menu that will meet my needs, right? And they're also going to be able to say, you know what, maybe I can go to the back and ask the chef if he can mix this with that. And then you can have something that you would really like that you're asking for. And it can be gluten-free and, and that chef needs to be prepared to say, Oh, okay, well, let me see what I can do. Right. Well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a similar thing. You know, I mean, like I said, we all have an obligation to each other and we all have an obligation, especially when you're, when you're, um, when you're providing services to people to make sure that that person gets that services in a way that best meets their needs. So that's just one example, uh, and 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 I think that that uh, more recently, I believe uh, probably within the last two weeks, we just certified an entire university uh, to be autism supportive, uh, wow. and and that was a lot of work on the side of the uh, the university, and uh, and and you know they they uh, they they help support our ability to do that uh, through a grant, and. Uh, and, and because one of the one of the, what we were really excited about working with this university um, was that was that they, they were really attracting individuals who had autism 
to go to college and to help support those individuals. And they felt that their faculty and their systems of support needed to address that issue specifically. Um, and, and, and they actually have a, have a specific center that really works on that. So, so, so for us, that was great, a great collaboration because we're working in the same direction. Uh, the folks who are, who are receiving, um, who are getting an education feel much more comfortable they feel much freer to express that that they might need something, and 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 it's attracting a lot more people who have autism to that college, so it's a win-win uh, all the way around. So so it's just one example of uh, of of, uh, of something that we've done more recently. It actually sounds like it's a confirming cycle as well, where you're trying to empower people with autism rather than just try and deal with the symptoms, so to speak, and they can be more. I guess, contributing to society in a way, but then also to give them the skills that they need to navigate life potentially on their own. So the more educated they are, the more empowered they are, the more socializing that they get at the same time, they then potentially would be less of a burden, in her quotes, onto to other services that could be used for more severe cases or intense symptoms. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the the reality, the circumstances that that uh, that here, uh, unfortunately, they have reduced uh, some of the funding for early intervention, and 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 we all know that that early intervention is the key to a successful uh, um, uh, uh, to successful uh, trajectory for for folks with autism. You need to build those skills early because if you build them early, obviously when you're younger and and, and you're 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 learning things, you you retain that knowledge, you retain whatever uh, um, um, strategies that you might have to, to to adopt as an individual to regulate yourself to be so that you can be more part of society, so you can engage in society. Um, and, and, you know, and, and there's also a controversy that, that kind of sits in this in the, in the, when it comes to individuals with autism is, uh, and, you know, our, our philosophy basically is that, that, you know, someone may have uh, an attribute of autism that's not interfering. We're not going to address that if, if, because that person needs that to regulate unless they end up saying, I really want to work on this um, because we all have things that we do, right? Um, it may be that you that you bite your nails, or you uh, or you you know uh, there's a hundred, you, you, you hit your scalp, or you you know there's things that people do to regulate themselves. They become nervous. That you know what I mean. They do things, right? Well, well, sometimes when you have individuals with autism, these may be more pronounced, but not necessarily do we address that because you know number one, it's not really interfering in their life, and number two. They're people, and they're going to have the same type of, of uh, ways that to regulate themselves that other people do. Um, and so, and, and so, unless it's interfering, unless it's something that they need to improve the quality of their life, you know what I mean. Uh, and the more the more cognitively able for them to determine what that is, you know, then then we may actually deal with with that if they made that decision that they want to work on something. If you understand what I'm saying, but but if it's not, we're, we're going to go right by that because there's other things for us to work on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that we know that are really going to uh, help them to be the most uh, the happiest, to help them to be to have the best quality of life. Uh, so, 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 you know, even in the field of autism, I mean, there's a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different schools and a lot of different theories. And, and I think the one thing that I've learned over the years is is uh, is if you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And so everybody's going to need different things. You know, when you meet one typical person, you've met one typical person. They're going to be different than everybody else that you come yeah. come into contact yeah, with. Definitely. So, 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 so I think we have to treat, we have to understand that folks with autism are the same way. What would you say to uh, the comment that I've heard a couple of times that everybody is on the spectrum in some way? Everyone has some form of autism, behavioral issue i guess or concern you could call it what would you say to something like that uh i i just kind of talked about it right we we, we all find ways to regulate ourselves right <laughs> whether it's uh you know i'm probably i'm looking at myself now right and i just noticed my leg shakes when, I, when i'm when i'm talking to you right now that is a mechanism to regulate right now when you start combining all these symptoms and and so on Maybe you fall onto the spectrum, but maybe you have some symptoms that people on the spectrum sometimes have. 
You know what I mean? So, so, so maybe that's where people are, are extending that, you know what I mean? To say, well, everybody has, look, I'm shaking my leg here. Do I have autism? No, I've not, I've never been classified with autism. But that's a symptom that maybe someone with autism may have. So something called stemming, where, you know, an individual autism will go back and forth and you see that often enough that 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 becomes something that's indicative of somebody else's maybe a person does have it maybe they don't but when, when i see that i'm saying okay there's a good chance that based on my experience and my knowledge base and that this person probably has autism i can't absolutely say it um but but you know that would be something that, that that's the way that person regulates themselves you know what i mean so yeah. but we all regulate ourselves in, in one shape or another so maybe th- i think that's where people get the idea that that you know uh, that we all have that we're on the spectrum somehow you know and we have all elements of people who are on this on the spectrum but not necessarily are are people on the spectrum. Yeah, it actually sounds like people are just trying to self-diagnose themselves a little bit, and just hearing mm-hmm. you speak about it, it's making me think that it's not something you can actually self-diagnose. You can't walk into a room and go, "Well, I've got this, this, and this," therefore. I must be on the spectrum. I must have autism. And I've also found that a lot of people try to Google things, which I'm sure you're aware, is that yes. you're not going to get the accurate result. You're going to get the most SEO-driven result uh, versus what's actually the case. Yes, yes. And then, and I think people people kind of realize, right, you go to the doctor and you say, I was Googling and it, and it says I have kidney failure. Or this or that. <laughs> you know, it's, always, yeah. it's always the most important thing that, that I say to people is they should go to a competent uh, professional and uh, and they and if they they're looking to get a diagnosis they should make sure that whoever they go to uh, has experience the knowledge and uh, and and they're able to to, to properly diagnose uh, whether it's their child or themselves I mean we have people who get diagnosed at, at, at older ages um, and uh, and you know and then and they say oh that explains a lot about what happened to me in my life and why I'm why I'm the way I am and a lot of it is that they you know they socially remove themselves you know they're not as engaged they don't have friends and and you know not not to say that because you don't have friends maybe or as many friends as you want or you socially remove so you have autism but 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 you know that sometimes that is an attribute of of a person who has autism but but also it's an attribute of somebody who doesn't have autism who may have some other disorder or somebody who just personally has decided that they don't really want to engage in, uh, in a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, community activities that, 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 that they don't want to have a lot of, uh, of friends. They may have one friend, maybe, maybe that's the only friend that they have. So what I'm saying is everybody's different. And, uh, and, and I think that people with autism are different and uh, you know, and, and, and I always try to say that uh, everything that I talk about, I always talk about in, in the framework of, uh, you know, typical people do similar things or there's circum- cer- certain circumstances. And so you can't point to somebody being auti- having autism because of one or two things that are similar. Um, and everybody's an individual. And sometimes it's difficult to diagnose whether somebody has autism because people aren't sure, especially in younger kids. Uh, many times people start up and they say, well, we're not exactly sure what this is, but obviously there's something going on. There could be some deficit somewhere. And the diagnosis doesn't happen till 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 real the real solid diagnosis doesn't happen until years later. Though they do say that you can diagnose somebody at 18 months, you know I'm uh, I'm sure that to, to to firm up that diagnosis, probably a little bit more time is needed. So, do you think that the approach that you've taken with the university is that early enough to counteract some of the developments that they've been making over the years? So let's say someone's had it all of their life and you catch it at university age which could be 18 mm-hmm. could be older depending on the pupil I mm-hmm. guess they may have to go to uni mm-hmm. later just depends I guess, I imagine but is that still early enough to make a difference do you think or do you think the damage has already been done so to speak well I, what I think is that most people who, who end up uh going to college they already know they have autism right and uh Many have gone, have had a lot of services that have been provided to them. Some have not had a lot of services that have been provided to them. Uh, I think that for individuals with autism, navigating uh, the world in certain elements, not everywhere, because we, because I know individuals with autism who have some significant skills in areas that 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 uh, that are amazing, uh, and, and and I think that 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 can sometimes also be an issue because. People think about the Rain Man, and you know, he could ca- do these calculations and so on like that, you know. Uh, and then they say, "Well, that's a person with autism," and you know, they can count really well, you know. <laughs> in order to do these, 
And uh, and again, the reality is no, that's not a person. This is a particular person with autism who who has built up the skill. A lot of it may be based on the fact that they are that they have autism and that they focused in on this particular area. And now they've built this skill set, but they also have some significant deficits in other areas. So I think by the time somebody comes to college, right, they've already been struggling in general because most of them have gone through a, a elementary school um, and now they're in college. And they're looking for a place that will better understand what their needs are. And, 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 uh, and I think that that's what this project that we put together uh, with the collaboration that we put together is so powerful because it's two committed organizations that want to serve uh, a, a population that has been underserved. Right. And we know we know what supports are necessary. And thank God uh, uh, it's uh, it's not, it's it's SUNY Empire, soon to be uh, uh, it's SUNY Empire College, State University of New York uh, Empire uh, College is soon to be the, the university, uh, Empire University. Uh, they stepped forward and they wanted to do this because they saw so many folks who were, who were coming and struggling and some of them dropping out of college uh, because they didn't feel supported. And so I commend uh, Empire State College, uh, or soon to be Empire State, State University, for what they did because uh, it's not easy. And, and you have to pull people in that direction, people who are busy, people who, uh, who are and not necessarily everybody in the organization wants to come along because that's with every initiative that you do. But they have truly made a commitment. And, uh, and, and so we're so, we're so excited about that because that was the first time that we've done some significant work at the college level. Um, and, it sounds and, and like now we've had... quite happy with that as well. Like you imagine getting to college, even yes. with autism, it must be quite a an impactful thing just to be able to go. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know they they say you know, and I'm sure you've heard this that that some of the most brilliant people um, uh, would, would would either consider right now they based on the, the uh, uh, diagnostic uh, uh, um, tool they'd be considered to have high functioning autism but previously they were known as folks who have Asperger's or whatever and some people so, I mean uh, I think uh, Elon Musk says that I, well, I have Asperger's I mean he said that many times or he says I have autism and I don't know you know what I mean but, but he's the one who says it so so I, and, and I think that that I saw him on a on a, um, on a, um, uh, a show and basically he said look some of the attributes of autism have helped me to be as successful as I am. All right. Um, and, and like I said, he's, he's self-diagnosed himself. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that there is a diagnosis for him. He may have one, I don't know. Uh, but, but I think it's interesting that, that, that uh, they do find that, that there are people at MIT and there's people who are at other uh, very prestigious colleges that where, where they're known as the best and the brightest and, and, some of those folks either have self-diagnosed themselves with autism or have official diagnosis of autism, and they're extremely successful in their field. So, I really hope Elon hasn't used Twitter to help diagnose himself, though. I mean that that's that's going to be very very concerning if he's using Twitter to do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it seems a little bit odd that that would be the the interjection at college age if it's possible earlier i mean am i right in, in saying that like it's possible to do more at a younger age which i would guess would mean oh. there's less reliance on universities absolutely uh, yes i i think at the once you get to the university level we're helping people to be our specific goal is to help people to be successful through their university experience right um Prior to that is where a lot of the work is done to, to, to create a, a, a trajectory of success, you know, uh, and obviously the, 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 if the interventions are effective, uh, you know, if, then, then those interventions for anybody, uh, not even whether you have autism or not, if, if, you, if you have deficits or you need certain support, if you have that support, obviously you're building on that support as you go through life and, and your trajectory is upwards. Right. But if you don't get those supports, you know, your trajectory could be downward because you're, you're unable to manage and, and uh, through society. Um, and uh, especially if you're more independent, you know, most of us at a younger age, we have parents and, and those parents help to guide, guide us through what, what needs to happen. And, you know, we've had we've had folks who have come to us who are much more complex. Uh, they were at home. Uh, the parents, 
highly dedicated parents wanted to just do the best they could with their children. They did everything that they possibly could. They wanted their child home. And, and, and we here have a residential program. And, and I think that's one of the most difficult things that parents have to do is place their child through a residential program. But they placed their child through a residential program because possibly for many of the children who have come here, they may be 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, they're not even uh, uh, toilet trained. So, and that's and that, that's on the more complex, high high needs end of it, and 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 we're able to do it quite rapidly because because obviously we have an infrastructure here and we have a, a protocol that have here. So so we so by even making somebody uh, able to toilet more independently or independently because more independently would mean that maybe maybe a phase three of our toiling protocol would be that we're going to let you know do you need to use the bathroom do you need to use the bathroom every hour. Right. That, that would be that would be an, an intervention that we would use. But as time goes on, that person may may find that they don't that they no longer need that prompting. Right. And that would be farther along in the protocol. And then at some point they may actually become independent. And and uh, and also that they can also make sure that that whatever their hygiene, whatever hygiene they need to, to care for while they're while they're doing that is taken care of. So those are all different levels of, of support that folks need. And some people get stuck in certain areas. And and some and sometimes they're able to progress all the way through, and, and they're completely on their own. That is a life-changing uh, um, ADL. That's a life-changing ADL, right? Because now you can go out to the community. If you need to use the bathroom, you go use the bathroom independently. You can go into the, to, to the bathroom by yourself. Uh, you know, you can hopefully you can build skills where you can be even more independent. Maybe you can take the bus by yourself. Maybe you can go to places. But you know, so so, so these are significant changes with if you get the proper intervention. Uh, 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 earlier on, you know, we really help people to be the best that they can, right? And we want that for everybody, right? We Not only for, for children with autism, but for everybody, right? Because that helps society, right? Uh, because because it takes less resources as they get older, and they're not on a downward trajectory, which means that actually resources have to increase and increase and increase and increase. If you're on an upward trajectory, resources have to decrease, can decrease and decrease, which means that there's that, that there's less need for that person uh, and that leaves it for the folks who really need it, right? Because there were limited resources out there, right? We don't have unlimited resources. So, so we know that, and, and I guess that that's one of the issues in the, in, the, in the field now is that there are not enough resources really to meet everyone's needs. And so obviously you have to ration care then, right? Um, and especially once you reach adulthood, there's something called the cliff, at least in the United States, something called a cliff where, okay, I'm 21, I'm out of the school system, and now all my supports kind of go away. I don't have a lot of supports anymore because I'm past that educational component. And now I'm into the, I'm an adult, and uh, depending on what my level of need is, uh, level of support that I need, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, I'm no longer looked upon as being educated, I'm looked upon as just uh, habilitating. Uh, living, you know, I have a, a, I may have a day program. I may have a, uh, a residential program. Um, maybe I can live on my own. I just have a day program, and I, and I, I live in a, a supervised apartment or a supportive apartment, or maybe I live independently, and somebody comes in relatively independent. Somebody comes in and helps support me for three or four hours a day. So, so what I do like about about looking at individuals with autism, as individuals with autism, is is you can you can figure out what level of support because you can give people too much support. All right. And, and, and I'll give you an example. We, years ago, we used to have something called one to ones here and somebody would come here and they'd have a one to one. And that person would really support them basically during the daytime. And, the, and one of the problems with that was that that person became what we call prompt dependent. Right. Because when you have somebody sitting there, you say, OK, so it's time to get up, time to put on your clothes, time to, you know. And so that, that individual sits there because they're, they're just waiting for the next thing to be told what to do. So, so we kind of got rid of the one-to-ones with, uh, in collaboration with our, our funding source, uh, and and we we put in a, a need-based component to it, which meant that 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 if you need that, you'll get it, but we'll we'll fade that away immediately, right? Uh, because the bottom line is you need to be independent because at some point you're going to reach that cliff, right? And then the resources aren't going to be there, and you can't get a one-to-one anymore, and now you've been prompt dependent till you're 21 years old. And now it's like, okay, there's nobody around anymore. So you got to fend for yourself, right? So, so, so for that individual, that's a horrible place to be to now feel 
uh, as if they've been, uh, that the supports that they've had their entire life that they've relied on have been pulled from under them. And now, now it creates a, a, not a good situation. So, so that's just an example of too many supports. It sounds like it's really important to get the prescription right or the dosage right or the just the amount of support and help that they get because as you say you don't want to make them dependent on the support but then if you don't give them enough then they won't feel motivated to do anything or change anything or go beyond the the minimum so to speak are there any real needle movers with it are there anything where you think right i know that if i do this then they make they start to make real progress or maybe as you said Mm -hmm toilet training them allows them it's almost like a a habit that they build that helps with all of the others if they're independent with that what else can they be independent with absolutely absolutely and uh uh you know one of the key components uh you you know there's no magic bullet there may be uh uh, something that works for one individual doesn't work for the other individual i think that the power of anderson in, in our organization is that all we do is work with individuals with autism. So every staff is trained. Uh, everybody knows, uh, basically, uh, they have, a, they have a, an understanding, they have background. Some of them have extensive education and background and experience working with folks with, with autism. So, so we've seen a lot of things happen over the years. So, so if intervention one doesn't work, we know that we have intervention two, three, four, five, right? And, and, and so we to keep a lot of data here, right? And, and that's an important component because if you're keeping data, right, then you're able to say this is working or this is not working or, or you know, or we see that this stopped working at some point. What else was there that happened? You know, what, what happened environmentally or what happened? Sometimes you find out that it was a change in staffing. You know, that that individual had a staff that they really like, or sometimes I've seen it where it's a change and somebody who was in the house who they had, they had a relationship with is no longer there anymore. And they've either graduated or they moved on to another house. And that person is missing that person and like the, like the interaction. And so that's going to have a negative effect on that person to the point that they may start to, and, and for more complex individuals, they may, may become more aggressive. They may become more self-injurious, uh, you know. So that's a more extreme side of it, but but also it just may be there to more depressed. They don't want to do as much, you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, or maybe they, they start, yeah, it could be anything, but it's just like typical people, right? I mean, if you have a best friend that you kind of hung out with for, forever and then all of a sudden that person leaves, you're not, you're going to be depressed, right? You're going to feel a little lost. You're going to be like, you know, I miss this person, uh, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, relationships are important. And, and, and I think that that's one of the saddest parts of uh, of this field is when you see people who need that support, that daily support, and, and what ends up happening is somebody who's a staff that they've had for five or six years, uh, you know, they leave, you know, and that person has a life and they, they have the right to move on to something else. And, and it doesn't make them a bad person. I mean, uh, you know, it just means that they have, you know, they have, they have a life that they need to leave. And, and with what's going on in society now, you know, the, uh, what we pay people in this field to provide that that key support is 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 not is nowhere near at the level at least in, in the United States is nowhere near at the level where it needs to be where in Europe uh, you know they pay people more and they professionalize it here it's not as professionalized at the direct support level and they don't pay people accordingly so there's a revolving door of staff many times and that is extremely impactful for the individuals that we serve, especially the more complex individuals, if they don't have the continuity of relationships uh, with the people that, that, that provide us, that provide support to them. If we think about things like education, career and family, I just wonder if there's anything that maybe you see that people need at that level. If a family can do certain things, if education needs to be changed in this way, Perhaps there's something going on in the workforce that people can start to implement to help be more supportive of people mm. with autism. What can people do at those three levels? Well, well, you, you touched on something. I think that we have to have public-private partnerships, um, you know, because we as a society need to support people with differences, whatever those differences are, right, um, to make them more productive part of society. So we, we're going to have to change on our end 
to 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 accommodate uh, differences, whatever those differences are. In in in, in this case, we're talking about autism. So um, I think that it's 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 incumbent upon those in government. It's incumbent upon those in education. It's incumbent upon each and every one of us uh, to 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 make sure that we push that agenda forward, and that we put in to our society those supports that make people productive and happy and have a quality of life. I think parents struggle uh, because there is no roadmap to, 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 to having a child with autism. I mean, every, every, uh, every school district's different. Uh, every, uh, every organization similar to, and there's not a lot similar to Anderson because there's not a lot, lot that just focus on autism, but you know, all organizations are gonna have different supports and many of them will have different philosophies. And depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, uh, more support is usually given in in in, uh, in states that have a significant component and in investment in education. So when you go to states that don't have the same uh, uh, investment in education, those supports in general are not as significant. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, Anderson's in New York. It's a highly supportive uh, uh, state. And so thus, Anderson would not be able to be recreated in a state that doesn't have significant uh, um, uh, um, educational base uh, where where everybody in the legislature believes that it doesn't mean that other people don't think that it's important in other states. It just means that there's really a focus uh, here in New York. And so so we're we've been able to create this very specialized organization that that you can basically come here during preschool and uh, act, and, and you know and and you, you can be here until you die if you need that level of service. Um, and we also support the school districts. And, uh, you know, up the road, we have, a, we have a town called Rhinebeck, a village, uh, the town of Rhinebeck, which is autism supported, the village of autism, I'm sorry, the village of, of Rhinebeck is autism supported. Their whole town signed on to, 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 to make sure that their town was supportive to people with autism. I mean, that, that's just fabulous, you know? So, so, so what I'm saying is it's, it's public, Partners. And by the way, that grant was paid for by a foundation, right? So, so again, that's that's people who who, who want to invest in good things, uh, people who are looking toward the future, and they're they're investing it. We we uh we we connected with the village of Rhinebeck, and we are we are obviously a uh, not for profit organization, and with that came out the uh, the autism supportive village. So so that's. And so it's three areas, you know, three separate entities that got together, you know, to, to create that. So, so partnerships, collaboration, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, people who, who want to see these things happen, uh, you know, government being involved in it. Uh, I think it's parents being a, a moving force in it, especially parents and, and grandparents and family members who have individuals. My, my question to people always is, well, do you know someone who has autism? Oh, yeah, my, my cousin's has it or my one of my uh my brother's kids have it or you know everybody knows somebody who has uh autism somewhere or or, or maybe they they have they have somebody in their life every day that has autism so so we all know that it's it's impactful we all know that it's that it's here so so uh, i think it's it's better to uh address it in a uh proactive way right than it is to to be reactive you know definitely better to be proactive and it actually makes me think who would take the lead on something like that would it be the family would it be the person with autism I guess it would depend on the severity of the condition but how quickly can someone go from I need the support or I want the support to actually getting it how fast can that happen uh, and, and you know, it really depends. It depends on what part of the country you're in, uh, what school district you're in. You know, it's very dependent on location. Uh, you know, and it's very dependent on on existing resources. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think since we're here in this in, in this particular area, and, and basically, like I said, we serve the the entire United States when it comes to having folks come here to our campus who are children and have very complex and high needs. Um, and we, and we obviously we serve the rest of the state also, but you know, we do serve people on a day program here. I mean, we have up to 14 day students that come here and that's obviously more local. We just opened up a facility up in Albany, you know, which is a completely different region that, that we're providing services to. Now, now prior to that, we had children who came from here, came from there to our residential program, but now we've expanded those services up there. 
Um, we're expanding our, we have a consulting uh, uh, arm and we're, we consult all over the country, um, primarily in New York. Um, but, but, you know, we're finding that, that it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger need. Um, we also have an international program. We bring people from all over the world to train with us. I think right now we have 40 individuals uh, and they come from uh, over 80 countries uh, over the years. I haven't done the last count. I'm sure it's more than that now. Um, and as far as Asia, um, uh, uh, Africa, um, um, you know, we, uh, South America um, and all over Europe, they've come here and they've, and they've trained with it and they go back to their country. And they provide services uh, to, to folks because of the training that we provide here. Um, and so, so we have a world, in, we have a worldwide impact. Um, I, I think that that most of what we do uh, is based in ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, um, and and we're, and we're we're very much focused on the positive behavioral supports, the, the the positive elements of that because there can be some adversive components to it and and so on like that. But but you know our our our, our basic tenant is the positive elements of, of, of applied behavior analysis. Um, and so, and so, like I said, we, we know who we are. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the, the question for Anderson as an organization is, is how can we support people the best? And uh, we, we've created something called the echo, which, uh, which basically is supports certain um, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, like we have an educational echo, which would mean that we have professionals who sit on a on a panel, and uh, a case is brought to, to to the Anderson Echo, and uh, with that with that case we have experts. We have people from uh, who are doctors. We have people who work, do speech therapy. These are the best and brightest in their fields, and that case is brought to them, and we all will discuss that case and try to come up with with uh, um, uh, ways to support an individual. Um, and, and then and then we have everybody can call into it. Anybody can call into it. You can listen to this whole thing. And then people who have other people who may have similar issues, they're learning from how to to work. With. That's completely free. We don't charge anybody for us. That's that, that's part of our mission to optimize the quality of life with individuals with autism. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably going to I'm probably missing other things that we do because because uh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it feels like we do a lot. Uh, we definitely do a lot. Um, but 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 I think that that we're we're really just trying to make sure that that the expertise that we've developed here at Anderson, uh, that we can leverage that to impact uh, as many people as possible who have autism, whether they're the most complex, highly complex people, to those who need the least amount of support to be successful. For those that probably need a little bit of a a cheat sheet out in public you know if they come across someone that maybe has some complex needs they're unsure whether it's autism or otherwise they might need a little bit of help Patrick when it comes to being able to navigate that situation whether it's getting the most out of them whether it's mm-hmm. just not trying to do the wrong thing a lot of the time it's trying not to do the wrong thing mm-hmm. what advice would you have for someone that's out and about and they come across someone that's yeah. No, they have autism, or maybe they don't know, but they, they yeah. clearly have some developmental behavioral concerns. How can they navigate that situation? I mean, sometimes it's just smiling and saying hello. You know, some people gaze away from individuals who have uh, a de- developmental disability or a disability, right? They, they kind of ignore it and they, they feel uncomfortable about it. Just say hello. You know, that's the first thing that engages people, right? We all want it. We all want that, right? We want that that friendly engagement. Whether you have a disability or you're typical, you know, makes you feel at ease and and, and much more comfortable. And then the second thing is, is what I've learned over the years, and, and, and this is for anybody, whether you have autism or other, it could be a, a disability where you see somebody struggling with something. The first thing that I always ask is, is, is would you like me to help you? Yeah, they need to make that choice whether they want. I'm not going to go and just do it because, you know what, they, they're independent people, you know, they, they Everybody wants to do things independently if they possibly can, but I, I'm going to ask them, you know, and they may say, no, no, I'm fine. Okay, great. You know what I mean? And, and have a nice day and I'll just continue on. You know, I, I think your availability to, to help if necessary and ask first, you know what I mean? Cause people say yes or no. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, 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 and I think the key, the key component is to be friendly, you know, and, uh, and smile and say hello. Maybe it's just a smile. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, an acknowledgement. Uh, I think I think that makes anybody feel better, you know. And and so what usually makes anybody feel better 
will make somebody with autism feel better because they're because they're 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 people just like anybody else, right? So, so I think that that we have to use the same common courtesy and respect, uh, and we have to treat everyone with that they have competence and they're able to manage their life. And and if we're if we're feeling that they may need some help, ask them. I think it's the willingness to also step back as well. Like you can ask if they say no, it's okay. You've got to then let them do it. Very often, I've been tempted to still step in when I see them mm-hmm. struggle, and it happens mentally. And then I stop myself from doing it. Be honest, Patrick, and I just said, no, it's not something yeah. that you need to do. And sometimes yep. it's easier than what people think it is. It's almost like um, it's almost like parenting in a way where you're able to step in. You're able to make things easier for them, but they're not going to get any better by you doing it for them. They're not going to learn anything. They're not going to improve, learn, get better, be able to do things eventually better than you can because they've got Mm -hmm. the experience and they're young enough to improve on what you used to do. So I think there's, there's so much in that because I've been tempted to do the more difficult thing for me, which is help. It's easier physically for me to sit back and say no I'm not needed and I think yes. that that can be something that people have a hard time with it's the willingness to step in but then understanding mentally that it's actually easier than what you think it is you think you want to step in you think you've got to take charge or do it for them and deep down you don't need to do anything yes yes and then that comes with assumed competence Assume that they're capable of doing it. But if you're saying that they're struggling, you want to ask. And then if they say, yes, yes, please, I, I, I'd appreciate that. Great, you do it, and then you move on. You know what I mean? And uh, Or you might have a quick conversation with them, like you would anybody else, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, what I say is, uh, you know, treat people who have differences uh, as if they're typical people, and, and you'll never offend anybody. You know, you know what I mean? Because, you know, just because you have a difference doesn't mean that you're not an individual, a person, a human being who needs what everybody else does. So. Have you ever come across someone that maybe hasn't liked being asked as if like asking if they need help is them assuming that they need it? Like they're expecting them to say yes because of whatever it is. Has that ever happened to you or anybody that you know? You, you mean, uh, and maybe I'm missing your question, Michael. Uh, have, have I ever gone and assumed that somebody needs help and they say no? And, and is, is that what you're talking about? Well, I think as well, it's like people can be offended by the question. Like, why would you ask me if I need help? Yeah, I would still ask. You know, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, I have had people when I'm, I'm, I'm out in front of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, uh, you know, one of the stores, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot, or whatever, and, and I have somebody, somebody ask me, uh, do you need help with that? And I say, no, no, I appreciate it. I, look, I, I, think, I think asking people, if they, you know, the first thing is you have to ask. You just can't step in. Unless it's an emergent situation, you can't just step in and assume that somebody needs. By asking, you, 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 you provide. If, if they don't like for asking, well, well, that's on them more. But by asking, you're showing respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I think that, that like any typical person, you know, when you show me, when somebody asks me, do you need help with that? Well, then you're, you're showing me respect. I'll either say yes or no, right? And if I say yes and you come help me, I'm appreciative. But the fact that you ask me, I'm appreciative. And you're assuming that I can, that I might, that I can do, probably do it myself. It's, a, it's only a question. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that we have to appreciate when people, when people do that. Um, I, I think whether you're neurotypical or, or, or not, you know, you're, you're, it's the same thing. I mean, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody who has something, you know, I, I have, when you think about people who are older, you know, um, I'm more apt to ask them, would you like me to help you with that? Because obviously we're all going to get old. We're all going to be in that circumstance. It's more common when that happens, but you know, some people say, no, no, I can handle. Okay, great. You know, now, now I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, I feel like I'm young and virile, you know what I mean? But you know, if somebody asked me, maybe I am like, well, you know, maybe I've had a bad day that day. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I'm feeling great about myself and somebody asked me, oh, you know, you want me to help? Oh, I can handle it myself. <laughs> that may be a reaction, but that's more on that. That's more on me than it is the person who's asking me is really what I'm saying. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's so, it's so hard to 
navigate it in that way because as someone that is likely to ask which I am I have to be prepared for for that yeah. and very often where I come in and go no I'm just asking if if it's okay if you don't need any help yeah. then I would rather you tell me than me not ask not ask right it's- you can end up worse off Yep. And, you know, and that strikes me in one of my favorite sayings is, uh, is no good deed goes unpunished, which, 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 which basically means that, look, when you put yourself out to, to help someone, don't assume that you're going to get a pat on the back or that, you know, people are going to, you're going to be, you know, they're going to hold you in high esteem, you know, um, but you should do it because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, and if they do end up doing that, great. But if they don't, you know, that's just the way life is. And, and, and regardless, you should still extend yourself out there, you know what I mean? Because that's what good people do, right? And, and I think that's what you're talking about, right? Michael? Good people extend themselves out to help their fellow human being, their fellow person, you know what I mean? And, uh, and if you're going to walk by and just don't care what's going on in the world and, and whether or not you can be useful, you know, your life probably is, has not been maximized to the highest quality. Because there's something about helping people and not necessarily getting credit for it or not necessarily being praised for it that you have to internalize as being just that's the right thing to do. And good people do that, you know, and I'd be and I wouldn't be a good person if I didn't. You know, so so so, yes, I I, I do like those type of circumstances and, and I do look and react from that from that perspective. You know, just because somebody's, I don't need any help. Well, okay, great. Well, do you have a nice day? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm still going to ask the next person I think is in that circumstance because, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not me. You know what I mean? Because good people ask if other people need help. I think that's a fantastic way to end, Patrick. It's been fascinating. Really enjoyed having you on as a guest. If people wanted to find out more about you, where can they go? So you've mentioned the, the Autism Centre, but here's your chance to share whatever it is you want the audience to, to do or take action on. Well, I, I mean, you can absolutely always reach me. Uh, I'm Patrick Paul. I'm the CEO at Anderson Centre for Autism. And my email address is, is ppaul at andersoncares.org. Uh, and uh, you can always reach Anderson Center for Autism uh, on the website. And uh, and you know if you have if you have a need for information, you want to know what we do. If whatever you're looking for, you know there's always somebody who'll talk to you and try to send you in the right direction. That's one of the things that that, that our mission our mission is about optimizing the quality of life of individuals with autism. And sometimes we can answer one question, and 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 it makes a huge difference in somebody's life. So give us an opportunity to do that if you do need some information or if you need services here at Anderson. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Patrick, thanks so much for being a guest, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. That was great talking to you, Michael. Thank you so much.